Lightspring Media, bringing the message of hope, love, and good news since 2004. Thanks for your support. And now, on with the show. Welcome. This is Lifespring number 178, and I'm your host. I'm Steve Webb. So glad you're with me today. We are trying, uh, well, we're trying an experiment. As I record this, I'm streaming live on Ustream.tv and also Lifespring.tv. So, welcome. I'm glad to have you looking in. Well, it's been a while, and for that I apologize, but you know what? I'm not going to give you a whole lot of excuses. I hear that all the time on other podcasts. Well, sorry, it's been so late. I'm sorry, it's been so long, and blah, 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 blah. You're not interested in hearing excuses, although I will be telling you what's been going on in the life of Steve Webb recently, and the life of the Webb family, and so on and so forth. We'll talk about that later. I've got a great show for you today. This is Lifespring number 178. I don't think I said that. And the name of this episode is, How Much Should I Give? Right now, we've got a lot of financial difficulties in the world, not just the United States, but I received some emails earlier, uh, oh, a week or so ago, maybe a couple of weeks ago, and I've been thinking about exactly what to say on this show for quite some time and trying to squeeze everything into my schedule and on and on and on. Well, I finally got the response together, and we're going to talk about that today. But before we do that... I've got a brand new Jimmy Bratcher cut that I wanted to play for you. Actually, it's not all that new now. Jimmy sent me the, an, an email, oh, it's been probably two or three weeks ago, saying, Hey, Steve, I just put some new music up at the uh, Podsafe Music Network. Give it a listen. And I told him, Jimmy, this is great. Love what you're doing, uh, what you've done. Love the music. And I'll play it on my very next show. Can't wait to get it out there. And here it's been a while. So I, I guess, uh, you know... I've said it before, I'll say it again. Life sometimes just flat out gets in the way. So without further ado, let me play for you this new cut from Jimmy Bratcher. And it is called The River. Oh, 
good friend Jimmy Bratcher with The River. Good stuff. Love the way Jimmy plays. Love that oh, that uh, blues, that blues rock, that rock blues, that rhythm and blues, whatever you want to call it. Good stuff. Good stuff. Maybe a little bit of funk there. Not quite sure. All I know is it's good stuff. Well, somebody was watching. Now they're gone. Well, let's see who else comes back. So anyway, before we go on, I want to talk about CovenantEyes.com. You know, we've been talking about Covenant Eyes now for several months. I really believe in what they're doing. I was uh, this last weekend at a men's retreat up in the mountains here in Southern California, and one of the speakers said that uh, today we're going to talk about the elephant in the room, and he was he began to talk about pornography and about how he's a, he's a pastor and he... Uh, travels around all the time and he's on the internet all the time and he said that because I don't ever want any question I've got several different plans battle plans for how to stay out of trouble one of the things was that he had an accountability partner and he had a product like Covenant Eyes he, it wasn't Covenant Eyes so I'm going to have to talk to him about that but Covenant Eyes is, a, is a, uh, a tool that you put on your computer that helps to keep you accountable to someone that you have designated, someone that you know and that you trust, a- accountable for where you go on the Internet. It's a great tool. They've also got a filter which uh, uses a database, but if you type in a place that they have not been, they can go real-time to that, that uh, website and check it out and either allow it or disallow it, depending upon the content there. So the, 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 the uh, database that they have is not static, and it's updated continuously. So it's a great tool. If you use the promo code LIFESPRING, when you sign up to give it a try, you'll get 30 days absolutely free. 
because you're listening to this show, the LifeSpring show. So use the promo code LifeSpring and uh, you can get 30 days free with Covenant Eyes accountability software. And also, I just wanted to talk real quick about Good Search. Good Search is a great way that you can help to support the LifeSpring Media Ministry every time you do a search. They use the uh, Yahoo search engine. You say, oh, man, Steve, I'm used to Google. Well, you know what? So was I. But I've been using Good Search now for well, probably a month or so. And the results that I get are, are absolutely fantastic. I get no problems. I, I'm not missing Google at all. And besides that, you know, why do you want to go with it, the thing that everybody else in the world is going with all the time? You know, be a trailblazer. So <laughs> try Good Search. Go to GoodSearch.com and you can tell them that uh, the charity that you are searching for, just put in LifeSpring Media. And from then on, you'll have a cookie that's been installed on your computer. And every time you do a search with GoodSearch.com, LifeSpring will be the charity that you uh, are benefiting. doesn't cost you a thing. And for every search you do, we get about a penny here. By the way, you can install a, a toolbar a widget right in your Firefox or Internet Explorer, Safari. And it can uh, every time you do a search, it'll benefit us and it doesn't cost you a thing. So enough of that. Someone sent me an email, and, uh, you know, we've got the elections coming up here very, very soon. As I record this, it's two weeks from tonight. I want to read it to you because it's such an important time in our country right now. Uh, incredibly important. I think this is one of the most important elections we have had in recent, or in maybe even in my lifetime. I'm not quite sure if it's that important, but it's always important. Anyway, um, this email starts with a quote from Thomas Jefferson. And good old Tom said, a government big enough to give you everything you want is big enough to take away everything you have. Tom Jefferson was a smart guy. Here goes the rest of the email. A chemistry professor in a large college had some exchange students in the class. One day while the class was in the lab, the professor noticed that one young man, an exchange student, kept rubbing his back and stretching as if his back hurt. The professor asked the young man what was the matter. The student told him he had a bullet lodged in his back. He had been shot while fighting communists in his native country who were trying to overthrow the country's government and install a new communist government. In the midst of his story, he looked at the professor and asked a, a strange question. He asked, how do you catch wild pigs? Well, the professor thought it was a joke and asked for the punchline. The young man said this was no joke. You catch wild pigs by finding a suitable place in the woods and putting corn on the ground. The pigs find it and begin to come by every day to eat the free corn. When they're used to coming every day, you put a fence down one side of the place where they're used to coming. When they get used to the fence, they begin to eat the corn again, and you put up another side of the fence. They get used to that, and they start to eat again. You continue until you have all four sides of the fence up with a gate in the last side. The pigs, who are used to the free corn, start to come through the gate to eat, and then you slam the gate on them and you catch the whole herd. Suddenly the wild pigs have lost their freedom. They run around and around inside the fence, but they are caught. Soon they go back to eating the free corn. They're so used to it that they have forgotten how to forage in the woods for themselves 
so they accept their captivity. The young man then told the professor that that is exactly what he sees happening to America. The government keeps pushing us towards socialism and keeps spreading the free corn out in the form of programs such as supplemental income, tax credit for unearned income, tobacco subsidies, dairy subsidies, payments not to plant crops, welfare, medicine, drugs, etc., while we continually lose our freedom just a little at a time. One should always remember there is no such thing as a free lunch. Also, a politician will never provide a service for you cheaper than you can do it yourself, the email goes on. Also, if you see that all of this wonderful government help is a problem confronting the future of democracy in America, you might want to send this on to friends, and I'm sending it on in the form of reading it on my show. If you think the free ride is essential to your way of life, then you'll probably delete this email, it says, but God help you when the gate slams shut. In this very important election year, the email continues, listen closely to what the candidates are promising you. Just maybe you'll be able to tell who it is that's about to slam the gate on America. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. This is me now. I'm not reading anymore. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. But what I am going to do is ask you to please prayerfully consider and look at the voting records of all the candidates. I'm not just talking about the presidential candidates, but I'm talking about every uh, race that you're voting on uh, in your local area. This is important stuff. We truly do have many people that want to push us toward socialism. If you watched my uh, Lifespring.tv episode with Scott Wesley Brown, and if you listen to the show with Scott, I've already said this. You, you, you know that this is what I think. And it's important that we consider what kind of country we want to live in here in America. And speaking about things that are happening in America, I'm going to start the next segment with this song. Now, uh, with the gas prices coming down right now, I think which uh, this is a temporary thing, this song may seem just a little bit out of, uh, out of phase with what's happening in the world or in the country today. But um, listen to the song and think about the, the way that it was just a couple of weeks ago and the way that it may very well be in the future if we're not careful. I need some gas money Well, my tank's on E And you know that that ain't funny Well, I'd like nothing better than to give you a ride Honey, yeah First I'm gonna get me some gas money I play over Texas me and my band From the Red River To the Rio Grande Gas prices so high I don't know who to thank But to get to my next gig You may have to rob me a bank Cause I need some gas money Tastes on eating, you know that that ain't funny. Well, I like nothing better than to give you a ride, honey. But first, I'm gonna get me some gas money. Maybe someday, 
Someone will find a way To make the wheels roll Without having to pay And some may rap sheep That don't really dig our scene But till then Could you spare some change For some gasoline Cause I Need some gas money Well, my tank's on E And you know that that ain't funny Well, I'd like nothing better than to give you a ride Honey, yeah But first I'm gonna get me some gas money Okay, so I got an email a couple of weeks ago from Shana, and she said, uh, what, what it was is she sent me a uh, blog post uh, from someone else, a guy, uh, let's see, by the, well, the Get Rich Slowly um, blog. Anyway, I'm not sure who the writer is, but uh, she says, this is a tough one. What do you think? So here's basically what, well, let me read the post to you. So the title is, Could Tithing Lead Some Americans to Lose Their Homes? It starts off, tithing is the practice of donating 10% of your gross income to your church. It's not a common practice, only 5% of American adults tithe, but it's important to those who choose to do so. It's a component not just of Christianity, but other religions as well. But what happens when tithing interferes with your ability to pay the mortgage? The USA Today article explores this conflict, and it says in that article, I've had some some homeowners who face foreclosures sitting in front of me in the office saying, I'll do anything, anything to keep my home, said Ozell Brooklyn, director of Acorn Housing in Atlanta. Huh, I didn't notice that before. <laughs> A director of Acorn. Uh, a nonprofit which offers foreclosure counseling. 
uh, continuing. But after we've gone through their monthly expenses and the only thing left is to cut their tithe, they say, I guess this home is not for me, and they walk away. And so it continues and continues and continues about that. So Shana, she's asking, what do I think? Should we tithe? Should we continue to tithe if it means we're going to lose our home? What do you think? Basically, I think Shana's saying, what do you think of tithing, Steve? It's tough for some people. So I think the question is, is tithing taught in the New Testament? Is it scriptural to tithe? Is tithing required by God? Or what is a tithe? And the article answered that. It's 10% of your gross given to, normally given to the church that you are a member of or that you attend. And for some people, it is a required giving. Is tithing required in the New Testament church? Let's answer that question. First, listen, I understand that I'm probably not going to be particularly popular with some of you when I am done with this little dissertation. If you disagree with me, can we still be friends? Would that be okay? I hope so. My viewpoint is different even from the pastor of my church who happens to be my brother-in-law, Steve O'Brien. I love him. I love Steve. But on this issue, we disagree. And uh, that's just the way it is. Uh, I hope you'll still love me if you disagree with me when we're done. So let's go. First, you need to understand that giving and tithing are not interchangeable words, okay? Giving is voluntary, and it can be any amount. Tithing, as I've already said, is regarded as required giving, and tithing is, by definition, 10%. In my mind, now listen very carefully, in my mind, if something is required as a Christian, there had better be a clear New Testament instruction laying it out because we are not bound by law. Rather, we live under grace. There are some things that Christians are required to do, but in those cases, the New Testament is very clear about it. We are under grace, however. Romans 3.28 says, For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. Galatians 3.13, let's see, we're going to start actually at verse 9. So, those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse, it says. For it is written... Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. I'm still reading. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, continuing to read, by becoming a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. So in that section, it says, look, if you want to live under the law, you are cursed because you can't uphold the law. You can't follow the law. You can't do as the law says. Therefore, you're cursed. If you don't do it, you're cursed. But the righteous, it says, will live by faith. Continuing, uh, let's see, Galatians 3.25 says, 
Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. Listen, there are many, many other scriptures that point out the fact that we're not bound by the law, and I'm not going to get bogged down on it. Some things are clearly given in the New Testament that we should, should observe. Baptism, marriage, prayer, fasting. There are others, but note, these are shoulds and they are not musts. There really is only one must in the New Testament when it comes to salvation. And that must is found when the prison guard asked Paul and Silas what he must do to be saved. In Acts 16, it says, He then brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. That's it. Believe and you will be saved. That's it. Jesus himself made it very clear. In John John chapter 3, he said, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So even out of the very words of Jesus Christ, he said, Just believe. Listen to this one if you still think that uh, following the law might be the way to go. In Galatians 5, chapter 4, it says, You who are trying to be justified by law, oh, this is tough, have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Yowza, do you want to fall away from grace? Pick up, you know, you either follow the law or you don't. You're either under the law or you're under grace. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. What works? Any works. That's the key too. Any works. Any works, including tithing. You are not required to tithe. Now, if you choose to tithe, that's fine. But let no one tell you that this is a New Testament requirement. As a matter of fact, my attitude toward giving to the church comes from the guideline that Jesus gave in the Sermon on the Mount. He was talking to the people about behavior and the law. Remember? He said, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, Jesus said, that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. How's that sound? And he said, you've also heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So here, Jesus takes the law and he expands it. He makes it impossible, actually, to fulfill the law, thereby making our need of his grace all the more clear. But in following his example here, one might say, well, you've heard that a tithe is required. I say, if we follow Jesus' example here, I say that you must give it all. Impossible, you say. Well, of course it is. But everything that you have has come from the hand of God, and it is already his. So, if it is his, and if it came from his hand to you, then it's a gift to you. The money that you have, your property, your possessions, everything that you have is a gift from God. So, if he's given you a gift, why would he require 
that you give some of it back. When you give a gift to someone, do you expect a payment? Of course not. Paul made the issue of giving very, very simple. Each person is to give what he has personally decided to give. Listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He says, and now, brothers, now this is, this is sort of a long section, so listen carefully. I'm going to kind of break it up in pieces, but it's important. He said, and now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for their privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. See, what it was is there was another church that needed help, that needed support. And the Macedonian church said, hey, we want to give. We want to give. We want to help. It wasn't 10%. It wasn't a certain percentage. They gave even more than they could afford. But they did it because they wanted to. And that's the key. And then he continues. And here's my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the, de the desire to do so. Now, finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it, according to your means. According to your means. He continues, For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. Paul continues, At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality. So see, they gave according to what they had. But he said, I don't want you to be hard-pressed. That kind of deals, doesn't it, with the tithing and the, the making the house payment? And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Did you get that? For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all the things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So the principle here is not some legalistic requirement of giving, but to give according to what is in your heart as you are led by the Holy Spirit. But once you feel that God has told you what he wants you to give, then you do need to give that. God is not interested in a formula. He is interested in the heart. You see, part, well, a big part of the Christian life is obeying what God lays on your heart. Is it scriptural? Then if God asks you to do it, then he wants you to do it. Then there's that obedience thing. Some people use the, well, God wants a cheer, you know, uh, loves a cheerful giver uh, as, it, as a cop-out to only throw in a buck or, you know, a five or whatever it is. Be careful. I used to say that uh, I don't believe in tithing. I'm not going to tithe. And I used to be pretty stingy in my giving until one time in a time of prayer, God laid on my heart to tithe. <laughs> and I said, Lord, uh, <laughs> is this you? Is this, is this really what you want me to do? And we, I prayed about it for quite some time. And, and 
uh, it became something that was solidified in my heart that God was asking me to tithe. And so I told Leanne, we're going to start tithing. And she said, well, I always said that we should. And see, she was coming from the other side. Uh, She was brought up in a church that teaches that tithing is something that is a New Testament principle, that that the Old Testament principle of tithing carried over into the New. I think that perhaps the reason that God laid it on my heart to tithe was so that there would be more peace in the Webb household. And so that's fine. And sometimes we give more, I must say, that... uh, there are people who give much more than a tithe. So don't use what I'm saying today to not give a tithe or not give anything or to only give stingily. Stingily? <laughs> Is that a word? To, to your church or to whatever body you give. Giving is important. Giving is taught. There are many other scriptures that I could have shown you that speak about grace and the law. But I hope that I've convinced you at this point anyway that I don't believe that the Uh, requirement of the tithe carries through to the New Testament. You cannot earn anything from God. You cannot earn his favor by tithing if you're doing it out of obligation. You cannot earn anything from God because our best efforts are like filthy rags, according to the prophet Isaiah. The best you can do, your most righteous thing that you do in your life is like filthy rags. So, should we do nothing? Well, that's not, of course, what I'm saying. Of course, we should show gratitude. Our good works are an offering of thanksgiving for what God has already done for us. That's it. We cannot earn his favor. We already have his favor. How do I know that? Because the death of Jesus on the cross for you and for me is the ultimate demonstration of his love and his favor. And there is absolutely nothing you could possibly do to pay him back. Nothing. Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. And that goes for any work that you might think you have to do in order to earn God's favor or to maintain your salvation. So much more could be said, and I encourage you to study this on your own if you're not convinced. I encourage your feedback. Write me at steve.lifespring at gmail.com or phone the comment line toll-free at plus one eight seven seven four three three nine zero nine one. And I think that only works here in the United States of America. Or you can comment on the show notes page at lifespringmedia.com. I, w- I really want to hear what you have to say about this. The bottom line is tithing is not required in the New Testament. But giving is good, and it's something that we should do out of gratitude. Some give less, some give more. Prayerfully go to God and seek his leading. And then one last thing from Mark chapter 12. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. And so, hey, what do you think about the baseball playoffs? I have to say that I am so disappointed. 
I've got, as you can see, if you're watching this on the stream, I've got my Angels shirt on. I was so disappointed in the Angels. They had such a great year, and what happened when they got to the playoffs? They just they just laid down and died. It was horrible. I, was, I don't think I've ever been as disappointed in the sports team. And then the Dodgers, yeah, oh, golly. I like both. You know, some people say you have to choose between the Angels and the Dodgers. No, 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 no. You don't have to. I am born and raised here in Southern California. The Dodgers have been my team since I was a little bitty guy. My grandfather, I used to sit on his knee, and we would watch the Dodgers and listen to Vin Scully, and it was great. But the Do- the Angels, they're a closer team to me. They're in Orange County. I'm only about you know, probably 30, 40 miles from Angel Stadium. I'm like 70 or 80 miles from Dodger Stadium. The Angels are a great team. Uh, Mike Sosha, the manager there, used to be on the Dodgers and on and on and on. So, uh, you know, I like them both, and so I was disappointed by both of them, and uh, that stinks. So (laughs) that's the way that goes. Hey, I got a uh, voicemail. Hey, Steve. My name's Alan Dean. I'm calling from Dallas, Texas. Just listened to the Phil Keggy interview show fantastic thoroughly enjoyed it i've been a big fan of phil's like you have for many many years you betcha all the way back to his very first album i've been fortunate enough to see him in concert a number of times uh it's never enough and uh pre-ordered phantasmagorical back uh when it uh, was first announced on his website and it is great anyway thanks i just wanted to give you a thank you for uh, a great show uh we're so blessed to have uh, phil keggy planet, aren't we? Yes, we are. God bless you, my brother. Thank you. And I uh, look forward to hearing future shows. Thanks. Thank you, and I appreciate the call, and I ask you to uh, call back anytime. Yeah, that's a that's a great CD. It was great talking to Phil, and I hope you enjoyed that show as well. So, let's see. Um, oh, I got another promo to play here for you from my friend Daniel Johnson. Come on, Dan. Stop. Just for a moment. Imagine that you're a wife and mother has been manipulated or experienced physical or emotional abuse. Imagine the concern you have for your kids because you hope that they're not next. Or maybe you've seen it progress to your child and it hasn't yet come to you. Imagine all the times you've heard your partner say he wants to change, knowing he hasn't. You go about your day every day as though everything is normal. You hide the truth from others in order to protect yourself or your kids. You dread coming home from work. You're afraid to use the phone. You're afraid to use the computer. What are you going to do? Imagine now trying to muster up the courage to get out of the situation. Imagine the anxiety and fear you feel as you look around your home, knowing that you're about to leave everything behind you, except for what you can carry with you. Maybe this is hard for you to imagine, but hopefully you can at least imagine what it's like to feel powerless. My name is Daniel Johnson, Jr., and I'm a blogger and podcaster from Cincinnati, Ohio. Even more importantly, however, I'm a person, just like every man, woman, and child who experiences domestic violence or abuse. Want to do something about it? Well, here's how you can help. If you or someone you know is frightened about something in your relationship, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Help is available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week for victims and anyone calling on their behalf to provide crisis intervention, safety planning, information, and referrals to agencies in all 50 states, Puerto Rico, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. 
Assistance is available in English and Spanish with access to more than 170 languages through interpreter services. Again, the number is 1-800-799-7233. Plug this number into your cell phone. Share this with a friend. Break the silence. Make the call. This message has been brought to you by Daniel Johnson Jr. and the Journey Inside My Mind podcast. Find more information about the National Domestic Violence Hotline at ndvh.org. And make it a great day. Thanks, Daniel. Yeah, that's uh, that's important. And I think that as uh, the economy gets worse and as uh, things get tougher, this might become a bigger problem. And so this is a good number to remember and to have on, on hand if if you know somebody that uh, might be in this situation. Got an email from Joe, and the email said, Hey, Steve, I'm watching the podcast awards, and congrats on being nominated for a podcast award. I'll be voting for you. And that was from Joe. And Joe, thank you, and thank everybody who went over there and nominated the LifeSpring show. As, uh, as a nominee for the, uh, the best religion or inspiration show in the, at the podcastawards.com website. The, the voting is going to be starting, I believe, on the 23rd of October, 2008. Let me see, what's the date as I'm recording this? The date right now is October 21st, so you'll probably be getting it. If you download it right away, you'll be getting it on October 22nd. So tomorrow is when you're going to want to begin voting for the LifeSpring show every day. They encourage, what they're trying to do is is judge the uh, level of um, audience uh, involvement with the show. And the way they do that is by having voting. So vote every day at podcastawards.com for LifeSpring and all the other shows that you like and that you listen to. There's some fantastic shows that have been nominated and uh, I encourage you to support them all. And now it's a two-week uh, voting period. So that's enough of that. I'll, I'll move on. All right, continuing. Let's see. I just finished recently, uh, just last week, the part three of the Kenny Metcalf video. So check that out at LifeSpring.tv. And uh, several of you ordered the Brian Duncan CDs and DVDs, and uh, I thank you for that. I sent those out. Those are autographed. For those that uh, didn't hear, if you um, would give a gift of 20 is it 20 or $25? I forgot now which. Uh, you'll get uh, an autographed CD of the latest Brian Duncan and the Neo Soul Band. Uh, it's uh, Still Dancing, which we did the uh, world premiere for on the show. And a gift of 30 or 35 I should have looked this up. Uh, we'll get you a uh, not only the CD, but a DVD of the video that Brian and I uh, recorded on that day that we did this show. So if you would like to do that, you can go to LifeSpring Media. Check in the uh, right-hand sidebar. Let me look it up real fast here, and I'll tell you what it says. I think, uh, yeah, let me just look it up here. You know, sometimes I'm just not all that prepared. You'd think that uh, I would be prepared for all these things. But, you know, I just kind of put some general notes up there. And so it says, ah, yes, uh, premiums for donations. So go to LifeSpring Media, look in the right-hand sidebar, we'll click on premiums for donations, which I'll do right now. And I'll tell you that, uh, come on, website. Okay, yeah, it's $20 for the CD or $30. That includes shipping. 
uh, for the uh, CD and DVD. So check that out, and uh, you can make those donations, and it will help Lifespring Media, and for that I will thank you. Let's see, what else? Okay, um, something else that's happened in the ensuing time between the last show and this show is uh, uh, Mevio and, or Pod Show and I are no longer connected. <laughs> the Lifespring Show is independent once again. Yay! So if you want to know more about that, go to the show notes page for the original show at uh, LifespringMedia.com. Just click on the original, oh, click on the All Shows feed. That's where I put it. And so you can read all about it if you are interested. I didn't want to do a long show about it because we've talked about it before, and I don't want to belabor it, but uh, we are now uh, independent. We are an indie show again. Yay. So, all right. Hey, if you want to follow me on Twitter, a lot of people do, and uh, I, I I follow just about everybody. And if if you'll send me an email and say, hey, Steve, I, 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 want, I, I clicked on the you know follow you at Twitter type thing, and this is what my name is, I'll be sure... Every Lifespring listener, I will automatically follow you, okay? So anyway, oh, I'm, I'm twitter.com slash Lifespring. Uh, go figure. How'd, that, how'd it come up with that? I don't know. Let's see. This last one, is this, I have enough time. I'm going to make enough time because this is really, really good. And since the baseball season is almost over, this is probably going to be one of the last chances that I have to read this. And so today is the day to read it. So, without further ado, I think I'll begin to read it. (laughs) I don't know where this story originated or if it's factual, but it touched my heart, and it's worth taking the time to read. At a fundraising dinner for a school that serves learning disabled children, the father of one of the students delivered a speech that would never be forgotten by all who attended. After extolling the school and its dedicated staff, he offered a question. When not interfered with outside influences, everything nature does is done with perfection. Yet my son Shay cannot learn things as other children do. He cannot understand things as other children do. Where is the natural order of things in my son? The audience was stilled by the query. The father continued, I believe that when a a child like Shay, physically and mentally handicapped, comes into the world, an opportunity to realize true human nature presents itself and comes in the way other people treat that child. And then he told the following story. Shay and his father had walked past a park where some boys Shay knew were playing baseball. Shay asked, Do you think they'll let me play? Shay's father knew that most of the boys would not want someone like Shay on their team, but the father also understood that if his son were allowed to play, it would give him a much-needed sense of belonging and some confidence to be accepted by others in spite of his handicaps. Shay's father approached one of the boys on the field and asked if Shay could play, not expecting much. The boy looked around for guidance and said, "'We're losing by six runs, and the game is in the eighth inning.' I guess he can be on our team, and we'll try to put him into bat in the ninth inning. Shay struggled over to the team's bench, put on a team shirt with a broad smile, and his father had a small tear in his eye and warmth in his heart. The boy saw the father's joy at his son being accepted. In the bottom of the eighth inning, Shay's team scored a few runs, but it was still behind by three. In the top of the ninth inning, Shay put on a glove and played in the right field. Even though no hits came his way, he was obviously ecstatic just to be in the field, grinning from ear to ear as his father waved to him from the stands. 
In the bottom of the ninth inning, Shea's team scored again. Now, with two outs and the bases loaded, the potential winning run was on base, and Shea was scheduled to be the next at bat. At this juncture, do they let Shea bat and give away their chance to win the game? Surprisingly, Shea was given the bat. Everyone knew that a hit was all but impossible because Shea didn't even know how to hold the bat, much less connect with the ball. However, as Shea stepped up to the plate, the pitcher, recognizing the other team putting winning aside for this moment in Shea's life, moved in a few steps to lob the ball in softly so Shea could at least be able to make contact. The first pitch came and Shea swung clumsily and missed. The pitcher again took a few steps forward to toss the ball softly toward Shea. As the pitch came in, Shea swung at the ball and hit a slow ground ball right back to the pitcher. The game would now be over, but the pitcher picked up the soft grounder and could have easily thrown the ball to the first baseman. Shea would have been out, and that would have been the end of the game. Instead, the pitcher threw the ball right over the head of the first baseman, out of the reach of all the teammates. Everyone from the stands and both teams started yelling, Shea, run to first! Never in his life had Shea ever ran that far, but he made it to first base. He scampered down the baseline, wide-eyed and startled. Everyone yelled, Run to second! Run to second! Catching his breath, Shea awkwardly ran towards second, gleaming and struggling to make it to second base. By this time, Shea rounded towards second base. The right fielder had the ball. The smallest guy on their team had a chance to be the hero for his team for the first time in his life. He could have thrown the ball to the second baseman for the tag, but he understood the pitcher's intentions, and he, too, intentionally threw the ball high and far over the third baseman's head. Shea ran toward third base deliriously as the runners ahead of him circled the bases toward home. All were screaming, Shea, 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 all the way, Shea! The opposing shortstop ran to help him and turned him in the direction of third base and shouted, Run to third, Shea! Run to third! As Shea rounded third, the boys from both teams and those watching were on their feet screaming, Shea, run home! Shea ran to home and stepped on the base and cheered as the hero who hit the grand slam and won the game for his team. That day, said the father softly with tears now rolling down his face, the boys from both teams helped to bring a piece of true love and humanity into this world. Shea didn't make it another summer, and he died that winter, having never forgotten being the hero and making his father so happy and coming home and seeing his father tearfully embrace her little hero of the day. And now, my friends, thank you so much for listening to the show. May your day be a Shea day, sunny today, tomorrow, and always. Until next time, may God bless you richly. I'm Steve Webb.